Welcome to Mission Point. We're so glad that you've joined us in person today and online. We have just a few short announcements to share with you before our service begins. Hi, I'm Jane Green, and my husband and I run the hyphen department here in the church. We are promoting the hyphen district event happening November 24th to the 25th in Fredericton. To sign up for this, you can join the Atlantic Youth Instagram, Facebook, or website to register for this event. We cannot wait to see you all. Hi ladies, this week at Mission Point, we have our Moms and Munchkins, which is for moms with preschoolers. It is a time for coffee and conversation for the moms and playtime for the preschoolers. Childcare is provided. It's this Tuesday from 10 to 11.30 a.m. We hope that you can come. Hi ladies, are you new to Mission Point or looking for a time of fellowship? If so, we have an event for you. It is called the Ladies Real Event. It is a time of relationships, encouragement, apostolic living, and laughter. In November, we're going to talk about Christmas. A few ladies are going to share their Christmas traditions with us. It is sure to be interesting and get us into the holiday spirit. So join us on Saturday, November 25th at 9.30. I know it's early, but we'll make it worth your while. And bring a friend. We'll see you there. Ladies, this Thursday night, we have ladies' prayer. We hope you can join us at 7 p.m. as we pray for our families, for our city, and for our church. Hope you can come. We've updated our service schedule, and we just want to make sure everyone is in the know. We start Sunday morning at 10 o'clock with Bible teaching class for everyone. Uh, ages 18 months to 18 years will be in our lower level while everyone else will join in the sanctuary. After a small break at 1045, we go into our Sunday morning worship where everyone is going to be part of that service here in the sanctuary. We also have on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Wednesday worship. The same time, MP Kids, MP Youth have their services in the lower level. And then on Friday at 7 p.m., we have our Friday night prayer. We just want to make sure everyone is welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. And uh, just as I go into my sermon here, this morning, I'm going to be speaking to you on this topic. Charge it to me. Charge it to me. Some of, I see a hand raised up over there. She says, yeah, charge it to me. <laughs> awesome. And just as we go into it, can we pray together, ask God to allow his will to be done in this service. Lord, we are so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful. Lord, to be able to enter into a time of worship and praise, we ask right now that you would let your will be done in our hearts here today. We give you all praise and all glory for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The credit card has become the symbol of business, hasn't it? It is the passport to plenty for a great many today. Anything can be bought with a credit card uh, from... A liter of gas to a 10-gallon bucket from a sandwich to a steak. You can buy it with a credit card. The sky's the limit. 
And almost every week you get a letter in the mail from Visa or MasterCard or American Express trying to sell you what they've got. And uh, they're telling you that you can sign up today for a credit card. Sign up today. Wow. Thousands of dollars could be yours today. Ready to sign up? It's ready to sign up. I've got applications at the back. No one is refused. Everybody gets an application. No. In windows and doors of shops across the nation, you will usually find a display of insignias of all different credit cards that they accept. There are signs that say, we accept these, and down underneath in small letters it says sometimes, we also take cash. Oh, how kind. And uh, we are left with only one question. Who should get the credit? (laughs) It used to be such a bother to swipe your card, didn't it? Oh, my goodness. So tiring going shop after shop, swiping the card. And you've got to wipe the the sweat from your forehead because it's such a bother. Now they've come up with tap. Oh, they've come up with tap. And you just tap it. I don't have tap on my cards. You might call me old old school, but I do not trust it. There should be more consent for me to lose money than simply just a tap. That doesn't seem right. You just tap it and it's gone. It's like, man, that, that's all? That's all it was. should be more consent than that. Can you imagine every time someone tapped you on the shoulder, you lost a brain cell? How many of us would be walking around without a clue? Okay, where was I? <laughs> oh, Yes. I want to turn your attention to a book of the Bible named after a person it was written to. It's called Philemon. It's about credit being extended. In this story, it teaches us a lesson for those who have lived life in this sinful world and wonder if they can ever be free from it. Paul the Apostle, he writes this letter, and to sum it all up, he tells Philemon, whatever is owed, I want you to charge it to me. Wouldn't you love to hear the story behind that statement? I knew you would, so that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. We are looking at the smallest letter ever written by the Apostle Paul. Philemon is a short book of only 25 verses tucked in between Titus and Hebrews. It is so short that you'll hardly ever find it by accident. You have to go searching for it. And you have to be looking for it or else you won't even see it. It's a personal letter written to a wealthy slave owner named Philemon about one of his slaves that ran away named Onesimus. We are led to believe that he stole from Philemon and ran away. Where did he go? Well, he went to Rome, and there he found the apostle Paul in prison. Paul, he pulls out all the stops in these 25 verses. He touches every positive motivation he can use, appealing all the while not to duty, but to love. So Paul writes this message of forgiveness, and as we read it, we can see that it is a letter to each and every one of us today. It speaks to each and every one of us. No one is excluded. We, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says, who were sometimes far off from God are brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many is thankful for that here this morning? We are brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. All those who are sometimes far off are brought nigh. And first of all, in the story, Paul is in prison. Acts chapter 28, it gives us a little bit more insight to 
the, the story behind why he's in prison. Acts 28, verse 16, it says, And when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. So dangerous, he had to dwell by himself. He's locked up in chains. And you might ask the question, what can a man locked away in chains do for the furtherance of the gospel? But it goes on to tell us in this chapter, in verse 30, it says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God to everybody who came to him, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. No man could forbid him from preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. And from his own prison cell, everyone that came to him got to hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. Chains can't stop the gospel. Prisons won't keep the message locked away. Referring to his imprisonment in Rome, he told the Philippians that this situation allowed him to do more for the gospel than ever before. He said, from this standpoint, where I'm at right now, I've been able to do more for the gospel than I've ever been able to do before. He didn't allow a prison cell to stop him. He didn't allow the chains to hold him down. Amen. But he kept on preaching his testimony about, look what God has done for me. Look where God found me and brought me to. He can do the same for you. The people are now coming to Paul to hear the gospel preached to them. Paul told the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Oh, to have that mindset, to wind up where he is, and have the mindset of, look what God has done. Look what God has done. He preached to people who he could not otherwise have preached to. And people came to him in his prison cell just to hear him preach the gospel. Just to hear him teach the word of God. He's seen people, even his own guards, grab on to salvation. And now, in this story, he's seen a runaway slave named Onesimus come to the Lord. He was running for Lord knows how long. But into the arms of Christ he falls. Isn't that the story of grace for so many of us here this morning? We were once a slave to sin, falling into the traps that would destroy us. We had no help, no hope of helping ourselves. We didn't have any rights to ourselves. But in all of our running, we fell into the graceful arms of the Lord. And now, here you are this morning. Look what God has done. If you're here this morning, I want you to give a hand clap to the Lord. Look what God has done. Amen. Somebody testify of his goodness. Somebody testify of his grace and his mercy that found you right where you were at. Paul, he went on, he, he went on to work on Onesimus, and I don't know where he started. Whether he started with the old prophecies that led up to the coming of the Lord, or if he began with his own personal testimony of the Lord, how God stopped him in his tracks on the road of Damascus like he had told so many people before. Maybe he pointed out the sin of Onesimus' actions and then followed that up with the good news of how Jesus has already paid for it. All we know is that as a result of this meeting with Paul, Onesimus was not only converted to the faith, 
he had become a trusted and reliable helper to Paul, especially during this time of imprisonment. Did I mention that the name Onesimus means useful, profitable, beneficial? That's what the very meaning of his name means, useful. And just as God guided and directed his steps to Rome, God is still leading us today. It's not by accident that you are here this morning. God knew you would be here, and he needed you to know that even though you ran away at times from the Lord and run away from his direction, you are his, and he is yours. You are his son, his daughter, and he is your heavenly father. The world, this old world, can get into our hearts and make us slaves to the sin that surrounds us. All other ground is sinking sand. But in Christ, we are grafted into the vine, adopted into his family. Like Jonah when God called and he ran as far as he could in the opposite direction. Like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and then refused him and walked away. Much like the invited guest to the banquet that Jesus tells us a story about. Just married, bought some land or cattle. We ask to be excused by God. But let me tell you this morning, God's trying to get your attention here this morning. You can't run far enough away to be out of the reach of the Lord. His arm isn't too short to reach you where you are and save you. You can't sing low enough that his grace doesn't extend. His forgiveness is for you too. Turn to your neighbor and say, his forgiveness is for me too. Sin, it tarnishes and it destroys. It makes us unprofitable and worthless. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that where sin flows, a grace overflows. The Lord covers us with his blood and makes us profitable, beneficial, and useful for his kingdom. How does God plan to use us, you might ask here this morning, but hold on. We'll get to that. Let's first see what plans he had for Onesimus. Although Paul would have liked to keep Onesimus on as a trusted servant of the gospel, he sent him back to Colossus. After all, Onesimus was still Philemon's slave, and if he was truly repentant of running away, he would return and take up his place again in Philemon's household. And still Paul wanted Philemon to know that he was sending Onesimus back a changed man. He's not the same man that he was when he left. He's changed. He's coming back different. And from now on, Onesimus wasn't, wasn't Philemon's slave. He tells him to call him his brother in the faith. And Paul wanted him to treat him as such. And Paul went as far as urging Philemon to receive Onesimus as if he was receiving Paul himself. Treat him as you would me. Paul, he could have demanded these things from Philemon because it was the right thing to do. Because of the authority that Paul had, but... Paul, he didn't command, and he didn't beg. He simply expressed his confidence that Philemon would do what he had encouraged him to do, and even more. The only thing that can change us is love. It's not going to be guilt. It's not going to be our shame that changes us to that point. It's going to be love. Because when we realize the love that Christ has for us, and that it doesn't come because of how good we are, and because of how much works we can do, but because of how good he is and because of the work that he's done for us. Come on, somebody. 
Although every single one of us are undeserving, God gives us His unmerited and unconditional love. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's why they call it grace. And He wants us to extend it to everyone around us. Everyone around us. In fact, He told His disciples, His followers in John chapter 13, verse 35, He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They will know you by the way you love. They, will know, they won't know you by what kind of car that you drive, what kind of house that you live in, what kind of private jet do you own. Just checking to see if you're listening. The world will know you by the love that you have for one another. That's the power and beauty of the gospel. It's not just for me, and it's not just for you. It reaches each and every one of us and brings us together as a family, the family of God. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're part of the family of God. And Paul, he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, but not without a letter in hand stating that Onesimus is now a believer in Christ. He may have left a rebel, but he now returns as a brother. He left broken, but he's returning whole. Paul, he begins this letter by stating, verse 1, I love this. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That also translates as a slave of Christ Jesus. He begins by calling himself a prisoner or a slave of Christ Jesus. Paul is preparing Philemon for his request by stating that he himself is a prisoner as well. Prisoners of Jesus Christ. And I can see Philemon reading along in the letter. And then he reads something that stops him up in his tracks. Verse 8, it says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul said he could command Philemon to do what is right and proper, but he would depend upon Philemon's love for God to receive a request from Paul instead to do what is right. What is Paul getting at? He goes on to say, I know how much you love all of God's children. Okay, Paul, what are you getting at? What do you need? What are, what are you trying to get at here? You're up to something, aren't you? Yeah, you ever know somebody's got that look in their eye and you know they're up to something? You don't know whether or not it's good or bad. You just know they got that look in their eye. Mary's always got it. Always got that look in the eye, like up to something. Usually it's not good when it comes to Mary. Philemon must have cringed when he read the following verse. He says in verse 10, I, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten well in my chains. For the first time in this letter, Philemon, he reads what this is all about, and he reads the name Onesimus. So this is what Paul is writing about, Onesimus. But then Philemon noticed the word just before his name was mentioned. Paul called him son. This thief and refuge Refugee was saved and is now called son by the Apostle Paul. I know that you're upset with him, but he's my son. If you could only see what the Lord has done in him, he's become part 
of the family of God. And he says in verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Paul, he plays on the meaning of his name, which means useful, profitable, and beneficial. And he says, I know he was once unprofitable to you, but now he's profitable to you and to me. What is it that Paul wants Philemon to do with his returned, with this returned refugee? He wants him to forgive him, restore him, and receive him as a brother. And although Onesimus was a changed man, he still must have been nervous about going back to Philemon. After all, Roman law gave slave owners the right to brand the forehead of runaway slaves, lock them up in chains, or simply execute them. And that brand on their forehead would forever let everyone know that this slave ran away. It would be a mark to say that this person once ran Onesimus knew he deserved any one of these punishments because he had not just run away from Philemon, but he had likely stolen from him as well. And Paul, he says, he says in Philemon chapter 15, he says, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave. Come on, somebody hear me. No longer as a slave, but more. More than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And then Paul says, it may have been God's will for Onesimus to leave you like this so that he could be changed and saved and returned to you forever as your brother in Christ. And Paul was asking Philemon to accept Onesimus as a brother in the Lord. He, was, he asked Philemon to see Onesimus not as the one that ran away, Don't see him for the things that he did. See him for the things that God has done. As a brother. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, it tells us, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 18 of this letter of Paul, he takes ownership for Onesimus' mess ups. And this is where we come into this story. He says, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Whatever Onesimus has done, charge it to me. Whatever wrongs that he has done against you, charge that to me. Don't lay it on him. Don't lay that charge any longer on him. Now that is a true sign of forgiveness. Don't lay it on him. Free him from his crimes. Put that charge on me. But what about Philemon? Did he accept Onesimus back? Scripture, it doesn't give us an answer, but history possibly does. Fifty years after this letter was written, there was a church leader named Ignatius. He was a man who was martyred for his faith, but on the way to the stake, he was taken from one place to another, and his guards stopped at Smyrna, and he was allowed to write some letters. And one of those letters was addressed to the Ephesians And Ignatius addressed an individual in his letter who he called their wonderful minister, their bishop. Guess what his name was? Onesimus. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking there were probably hundreds of Onesimuses, probably quite a common name. There's probably at least a dozen people here this morning with that name. Very common name. But you could never miss this Onesimus. Okay. 
Because in the letter that Ignatius wrote to the Ephesians, he refers to him as the one, and he uses this from Paul's letter, who formerly was useless to you, but is now useful both to you and to me. He uses the very Greek words that Paul used in his letter to Philemon. And I will conclude that Onesimus has welcomed back. He was welcomed back by Philemon. Thank you, Lord. If I could have the music come back. What can we learn from this story here this morning? We are Onesimus in this story. Each and every one of us, we've all run away from God and tried living life our own way. We've all become slaves to this world, to sin at one point or another. We've all run and hid ourselves from God. And the guilt and the shame laid over our heads for so long, and the sentence of death was looming over the horizon, waiting for us. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it paints a picture that all we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. There are some here today who are still hiding away and living in fear. Slaves to sin. You lay your head down on the pillow at night and all you can think is just the repeats. The repeats of the things that you've done going over and over in your head. It's bound you for far too long. But let me tell you here this morning, Jesus is our advocate. 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. An advocate, he goes to the master and appeals his case on behalf of him. Jesus is there for us, and he speaks on our behalf, and he says, Whatever wrong they did, charge it to me. Lay that charge on me. Don't hold it over them anymore. Charge the wrong to me. Jesus paid the price for your sins with his own blood. He died for you so that you could be free today. Not tomorrow, not someday down the road, not at some conference today. Today is the day of salvation. I'm going to have us all stand at this time. You don't have to have that hanging over your head anymore. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, listen, therefore, you are no longer a slave. Somebody thank the Lord here today. You don't have to be a slave to this world. You don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. But a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You don't have to be a slave any longer. No matter what you did and how far you ran away, He's your heavenly Father. You're His son. You're His daughter. And to the ones who are overdrawn in their own soul, His call to you is that He has laid the charge on Him. 
as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You have a choice here this morning. Will you keep running away or will you run into the arms of the Father? Will you continue being swept away in the flow of sin or will you let his grace overflow your life here this morning? The invitation is open this morning to ask God to forgive you of all your sins and see for yourself how much he is willing to forgive. To be baptized in Jesus' name and have those sins washed away, to receive his spirit into your life. You can't do enough to earn it, but you also can't do anything to lose it. And that's why it's called, that's why he calls his credit grace. It's for you here this morning. Onesimus, that charge isn't on you any longer. Child of God, that charge isn't hanging over your head any longer. God wants to forgive you. He's purchased you with his own blood here this morning. And he says here this morning, charge that to me. Charge that to me. Don't hold it over them. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.